Welcome to the suburbs with Andy and Greg. So, long time no see. I know. <laughs> it's been a while. I was almost in concussion protocol. What would have caused concussion protocol? Man, I ate it this morning skiing. I'm sure I've fallen that hard before, but not in the last few years. Oh, wow. Took a tumble. I saw stars. Tumbelina. Which stars did you see? Britney Spears? <laughs> <laughs> now, then I would be in concussion protocol. <laughs> No, I think it was Sting. Oh, a male fantasy. Gotcha. <laughs> no, I did not say that. <laughs> I said I saw stars. <laughs> stars aligned. <laughs> no, they were not. <laughs> they were just all over the place. Stars were unaligned. This is going to be like a trip to the counselor for me. Which counselor? Guidance counselor? <laughs> Uh, no, thankfully that didn't happen very often, but because of another guy named Greg Phelps, did I tell you that there were two other Greg Phelps in school at the same time as me? No, you never told me that. It sounds fascinating. One of the Greg Phelps was different in appearance and always in trouble. Oh, one of those. Gotcha. My teacher would get a note saying that they needed to see Greg Phelps in the office. So I'd go down to the office, and the minute that I walked through the door, and they'd look at me kind of puzzled and say, can I help you? And i go, yeah, I got this note to come down and see you. <laughs> and they'd go, wrong, Greg Phelps. And so <laughs> Luckily. <laughs> Although I did get to work in the bookstore during my study hall class. That's a nice perk. So I learned how to make change regardless of what money was presented <laughs> to me. Making change for number two pencils must have been a real mind bender. <laughs> My gas station gig kind of helped me do change on the fly. People paid with cash, you know. Yeah, back in the day. And they would like, eh, keep the change. Did they really? You got tipped? You know, it might have been a dime. <laughs> <laughs> you buy a stick of gum with that. Did we ever talk about my gig with the Cincinnati Reds? When I was in high school, did we ever talk about that on the podcast? On the podcast? No. I think it was the summer of 76. The year the Reds made a run for the World Series. I was looking for a part-time summer job, and somehow, I think through my dad, maybe someone said, hey, they're hiring food vendors down to Riverfront Stadium. I mean, you can go in there and make some pocket change if uh, selling snacks. And that job, I was thinking about making change. That, too, was where I used the skills of change-making. But a lot of times when you were handing bag of peanuts 15 seats down, they'd always like, eh, keep a change. You know? <laughs> the further away the purchase was, the better chance you might be able to keep a quarter or 50 cents. It was an interesting job, cash job. You would show up, get a bib, get an assignment, and every tray of whatever you were selling, you would get a ticket. And at the end of the night, you turn in your tickets and get whatever a ticket was worth in 1976, whether it was two or three or four dollars a ticket if you wanted to come back at the next home game you could if you didn't didn't matter just whoever showed up worked you realize that when you say ticket i have a flashback that's not a positive flashback tickets <laughs> dnr <laughs> don't use that word the minute you said that i felt a cold chill go up my spine 
So it was a chance to kind of see the Reds games and kind of work and make a few extra bucks. Those red seats were like vertical, though. You know, the the, the upper deck was, was brutal. So how was your cardio by the end of the season? Very good. I think calf muscles were uh, rock solid. <laughs> were they? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a fun job. I did get a chance to uh, attend two World Series games that year in 76. The Reds ran uh, against the Yankees, two home and two away. And so I saw both home wins. And coincidentally, fast forward into my career in the 2000s, a sales rep of one of my CD plants became a very good friend of mine, and we were talking about our childhoods, and he happened to be a traveling bat boy for the New York Yankees. Coincidentally, he was actually at that game that I was at in a much sexier capacity, <laughs> selling peanuts. I thought you were going to say outfit. <laughs> <laughs> that, t- <laughs> that too. <laughs> Absolutely. He got to wear heels. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure if that was part of the bad boy uniform or not. Those aren't the cleats we were talking about. Maybe the bad boys, (laughs) but not the bat boys. (laughs) We decided one year that we were going to go to Florida. My mom lived in Florida. So we were going to go use her house as the base camp and then go across to uh, the east coast of Florida. We had guys from the house that were staying in Fort Lauderdale, and so we were going to go across and see them. And my friend Jeff, who I went to the Rolling Stones concerts with, he was going to drive. And he had a red 1970 Torino, and he had loaned that Torino to a guy named Dave. Dave hit a telephone pole. Oh, boy. Tends to not be good on a car when you hit a telephone pole. Dave took responsibility for his actions. I don't know why it wasn't turned into insurance, but it wasn't turned into insurance. And so he took it to a shop and they fixed the car in time for us to go down to Florida. And we get to about middle of Tennessee and stop to get gas and notice that the tires don't have any tread on them anymore. Oops. Did they have someone you started? Yes, they did. Okay. And so there was cording on one side. And so we asked around to find a place where we could buy tires. They pointed us in a direction. And let me tell you something. When you're a college student going down to Florida on spring break, the money that you are taking with you is generally not. There's no tire budget. We did not have a tire budget. (laughs) We were not an IndyCar team. So they pointed us to a place. We go. The guy is just like shaking his head in disbelief at the shape of the tires. And they put new tires, new to us tires on the car, sent us on our way. We get down to my mom's. Everything's groovy. We um, have a nice time and then start to head back. So we get to someplace in northern Florida. And all of a sudden, there is this loud smacking Like the car is starting to fall apart sound. And it was the rubber peeling off one of the tires and hitting the car as it was spinning. Tearing up the uh, fender well. We park on the side of the road. Jeff hitchhikes to an exit. He gets a tire. He comes back. Did you replace all four tires at the first stop? It was just the tires on one side of the car. You were just replacing them as needed. <laughs> we didn't need them on the other side of the car. Yet. It turns out that when Dave fixed the damage to the car, he fixed all of the aesthetic damage 
but he bent the frame. Oh, no, 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 no. It was scrubbing tires. Sure. On the right-hand side of the car. So Jeff gets the tires. We're starting to feel gun shy. So what, it took you guys three times to become gun shy? <laughs> when we take off after that time of changing the tires, we're more focused on looking at billboards to see which service centers carried tires <laughs> rather than number two pencils anything else you know it's not like okay i'm hungry let's pull off new focus it's a totally new focus so we get to macon georgia all of a sudden there's just a terrible vibration in the car we pull over and it's obvious that we've been through another set of tires and it was my turn to hitchhike <laughs> and so um, one of the guys had hitchhiked north and there wasn't anything. And so it was my turn to go south. And there was an exit that we had just passed. So I crossed, and it's dark. <laughs> I cross the interstate. I start walking south. Pickup truck pulls over. And it's a young guy with his girlfriend in the pickup. And he's like, hey, brother, what do you, what do you need? I said, man, we've got a flat tire I was wanting to go up, and as I'm telling him this thing, police car after police car after police car pulls up behind us with lights flashing, and the dude in the first police car jumps out behind the door with gun drawn and says, drop and spread them. And I'm like on the ground, my hands up. And I start repeating, my name's Greg Phelps. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. I was in a red Torino going northbound. I haven't done anything. <laughs> and I just play this loop. <laughs> Were they looking for the other Greg Phelps, maybe? <laughs> they could have been, because that guy was a troublemaker. So they could have been. When you mentioned uh, the uh, the pickup truck and the guy and the girl, that started like the beginning of a Dear Penthouse letter. It did start out that way, and that would have been awesome. <laughs> That would have been a different story, and we might not have been telling it in this version of the podcast. <laughs> the guy in the pickup truck decides that it's time to be a smartass. Bad timing. Do you remember when young kids in Atlanta were being murdered? I do. The Atlanta murders? Absolutely. Okay, this was during that. Uh-oh. I'm laying on the ground. My name's Greg Phelps. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. We're driving northbound in a red 1970 Torino. I haven't done anything. And so all of the police are out with guns drawn. And I'm not kidding. Four cars, maybe six. Lots of state highway police. And the dude that came up to me probably had just retired from the Atlanta Falcons as a lineman. <laughs> that, that guy was enormous. And he grabbed me by my belt and my collar of my shirt and frisked me, put my hands behind my head, handcuffed my um, hands. And I'm still saying, my name's Greg Phelps. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. Was, we were going northbound in a red 1970 Torino. We had a flat tire. I haven't done anything. And I'm on like loop six or seven <laughs> of that name, rank, and serial number. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. This guy goes, wait a minute. Did you have Indiana plates? And I said, yes. And he said, I saw that car. He's okay. And so they take my handcuffs off. And the dude in the pickup truck is relentless in his harassment of the police. 
And they pull him out and they slam him head first into the hood of his truck, handcuff him, and his girlfriend is crying. That's kind of the rule, isn't it? Right. When you're 18 and smarting off, your girlfriend cries to get you out of it. Isn't that the rule? It is the rule. Start crying now. Right. <laughs> right. Cry harder. <laughs> they take him and they throw him in the back of a police car and they grab her. And they put her in the back of another police car. And so they've got me uncuffed and they say, so what are you doing? And I said, we had a flat tire and we've already used our spare. <laughs> we used our spare on the southbound trip. <laughs> they said, okay, he'll give you a ride. There's a service station up here at the exit. So he takes me up to the service station and it's a small one. Doesn't look like it's in business to do anything other than sell Clark bars and <laughs> Clark gas. <laughs> right. <laughs> well played. And so he said, they'll be able to help you with the tires here. I get out. I shut my door. He like squeals the tires on the way out of there and is gone before I even have a chance to find out if they do have <laughs> tires. I uh, go to the uh, guy at the counter and they do not have tires so now i've got to walk back down the ramp along the side of the interstate until i get to the 1970 red torino with indiana plates they're all asleep in the car slept through the entire thing had no idea what was going on i said i almost was arrested as being the atlanta killer i'm not going out for tires ever again one of you guys have to go they ended up hitchhiking two exits north to get tires at that point we were out of money <laughs> and um went to a hotel in macon georgia had enough new tread to go and call the parents and have money wired to us but it was like sunday they couldn't do a wire on sunday we had to wait until monday my dad refused <laughs> western union wired us money to be able to have gas and buy tires again and for years i could not go on a trip without just focusing on only billboards with gas station ads <laughs> that had tires I could see you at that checkout counter, let's see, and like a Clark bar and got any Firestones <laughs> fresh out. Just sold the last one to the guy before you. <laughs> the idea of finding a place that sells tires and finding a place that had the size tire you needed on a rim. Yeah, because I wasn't hitchhiking with the tire. You were just going to hopefully get a ride back with somebody with a tire. Yeah, I guess with the wrecker. The free wrecker. Hey, you guys got a free towing service because I don't have any money. <laughs> And you have no idea what the guy that was being stopped by the state police was being stopped for. I asked. I said, is this related to the Atlanta killers? All he said is, buddy, you were at the wrong place at the wrong time. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I thought this was a welcoming committee. <laughs> <laughs> this was some of that Georgia peach hospitality that you're famous for. I was expecting some ham hocks and collard greens next. Maybe some peanut brittle. <laughs> and we're Stuckies. Maybe we could go see Rock <laughs> City, but no. Lookout Mountain, but no. No Lookout Mountain. Look out, but no Lookout Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> there was a really good club in Morgantown, and it was in the basement of the hotel where they put you up. And the guy that was the um, 
front desk guy was the boyfriend of Johnny Mathis. That's no information to me. Thank you for sharing. One of my all-time favorite Christmas songs is a Johnny Mathis Christmas song. Jack Frost, nipples on your nose. Uh, well, that would be a birth defect, <laughs> wouldn't it? That would be something I would pay to see. <laughs> so who was it? I was talking to somebody recently. The Indiana State Fair wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. Well, he quit going when they stopped having like the llama woman <laughs> and the man with nipples on his nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the incredibly hairy woman and all that other stuff. That was his whole thing. Wasn't the food, wasn't the rides, wasn't seeing the animals. It was the freak show. Bearded woman, which, you know, now that they have aesthetics businesses popping up all over the place, she could have electrolysis and <laughs> get rid of that beard. Cut that hair and donate it to some kid that needs hair. Locks of love. <laughs> Beards of love. It's nice that she donated that hair, but it makes me itchy. Yeah. Unfortunately, she implanted it on her face. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the days when my granddad was a fur buyer and I was you know, living the life of uh, Davy Crockett and, and everybody down there on the farm while he's buying fur, my friend and I, Scott, the 10-page letterman, Mm -hmm. uh, we're in a canoe on White River in Indianapolis, floating down White River, hunting raccoon. Oh, not loose change. <laughs> and at the time, raccoon were selling for $40 a pelt. We were in college. How many tires would that buy? Well, how many tires would that buy? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't know. Let me get with Jeff and figure out how much it would cost per tire. <laughs> he probably remembers that. I don't remember, but I... <laughs> Sorry. So we were officially done with our hunt at 38th Street. So this was a Sunday morning at dawn. We pull the canoe up and then we're staging all of our gear up on top of the hill near the road, thinking nobody was around because it's 1980 in Indianapolis and the sidewalks are rolled up at dusk, dusk time. Official dusk time. <laughs> right. And so... We put the guns up, our waders and other stuff, go back down the hill to get the canoe and come back up. And we see this guy leaping back over onto the street with our guns. Oh, boy. And Scott yells halt to this guy. <laughs> Stop. I can't shoot. <laughs> Stop and don't shoot me. Yeah, right? If I had a gun, I'd shoot you. And so the guy pulls our gun on us. Oh, boy. And says, go back down the hill. There's nothing to see here. I think, yeah, okay. And Scott is like, what are you doing walking down the hill? And I said, not wanting to get shot. Certainly beats the alternative. Yeah. So the guy gives one of the guns to somebody else in a car who speeds off. And he stays there with the other gun on us. And I'm back up on the street and... Scott is negotiating for both guns to be turned back over to us. What is his bargaining chip? I know. I agree. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. There is none. <laughs> He's insisting that the guy act in good faith and give us our guns back. You know, reasoning with a total stranger who stole from us firearms. So then he looks at me and he says, make sure this guy doesn't go anywhere. I'm going to go get the car and leaves. <laughs> Just goes running off. Bye now. And so I'm sitting there with this awkward conversation with a guy that's got a gun pointed at me. 
I go, you know, I'm not going to do anything, right? And he's like, I wouldn't think that you would do anything. I mean, I'm the one with the gun. And I go, you are the one with the gun. That is true. Clearly. My grandfather gave me that gun for Christmas. He's dead now. And so that's one of the things that I have to remember him by. Now I don't have it because you do. And you're pointing it at me, which is weird. It's awkward. I'm obviously not going to jump you. I don't have any leverage. So I'm just trying to appeal to your good nature that if I could have that gun back because it's a gun that my grandfather gave me, that would be extremely cool of you. I don't know who you are and we'll never have to talk about this again. And he goes, you know, my granddad was a pretty cool guy too. And I said, really? And so he tells me this short story of his grandfather. He lays the gun down and he says, don't go anywhere. Don't touch the gun. I'll be right back. <laughs> a lot of good faith going on right now. There is a lot of good faith and none of it happened because of Scott, who is now nowhere to be found. He's the smartest one of the bunch. I'm out of here. <laughs> well, I was kind of stuck there. <laughs> Am I going to turn my back and run from a guy who's pointing a gun at me? At the time, I was in a bad spot. Then he comes back with the other gun, and he lays that other gun down, and he says, you never saw me. And at that time, going west, that other car pulls up, and he runs across all those lanes, jumps in the car, and they leave. And he left me the two guns. And then Scott pulled up with more guns. Take them down. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, helicopters come flying. Canadian Mounted Police. Paratroopers. <laughs> we got his machine gun. A tank shows up. There isn't anybody here. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> Hi, this is Andy. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please be sure to like and subscribe. Remember, laughter is contagious. Help us spread it by telling a friend. <laughs>